Hello, church family. Thank you for joining us for another message from Res Life Holland. We hope this sermon encourages you in your walk with Jesus and empowers you to live the life God has for you. Now sit back and enjoy today's message. Ooh, how's everybody doing today? Good? Good. Well, Pastor Josh is out of town today. We are juggling our, our crazy schedules and six kids, and we swapped places. I was up north and said, tag, you're it. And he said, okay, you get the podium. And I said, awesome, because there is something I've been really looking forward to telling you guys about. Have you ever had a moment where you suddenly realize God's been trying to tell you something for a really long time, and you just got it? Yeah? Yeah, I had a moment like that. And it's like, oh man, I'm dense. And he's like, no, you're good, you're good. (laughs) Very reassuring and patient with us, isn't he? Yeah, amen. Sometimes I feel like, um, you know, it's like when you're teaching a child algebra. I've had to do this a few times. And you're like, X is a number. And they're like, why is there an alphabet in my math? And you're like, no, X is a number. And then finally they're like, oh, X is a number. Like, yeah, that was me. Yeah. But the story does take a little bit of buildup. So be a little patient with me here as I, as I set the stage. So as Adrian was talking about, we do have that Empower Women's Intensive going on. And one of the main purposes of that is getting deeper into hearing the voice of God. How do we hear from God more clearly? How do we tap in to the Holy Spirit, to the mind of Christ, so that we can know his good and pleasing will for our life. And we can live with that input from the Holy Spirit. That is so vital. You guys, I really don't know how anybody could survive the world we're in right now without day-to-day input from the Holy Spirit. Truly, like this this is crazy times, crazy times. So one of the ways that God speaks to me is through physical sensation. That one's really common. Through emotions, physical sensation, sometimes like just intense thoughts that I know that wasn't me. You know, those are real common things for me. Audible voices are less common, but do happen on occasion. So I wanted to first read Hebrews 5, 14 that says, but solid food is for the mature who because of practice have their senses trained to distinguish good and evil. So it is biblical to train your senses. Speaking through your senses is a common way God talks to you. And we are intended as Christians to be able to discern between good and evil. One of the ways that that's played out my entire life, I do have the gift of discerning of spirits. And I didn't always know what that meant or how it felt. And I feel like it didn't come with a manual and I've been like kind of learning as I go. Um, but for me, my whole life, I've, I've been able to like, if I meet someone, I know pretty instantaneously if we're gonna jive. I can just feel it. Um, there have been times I've literally met someone, gone home and told my husband, so because I'm a career woman, right? Like I have a job, I love my job. 
I'm always on the lookout for other Christian ladies with careers. And I've literally met someone, gone home and said, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm gonna love her. I feel like she's a nurse. And then I realized they didn't tell me they were a nurse. I just kind of discerned that in my spirit. I've had, like, I could stand up here all day. That's not what my message is on, so I'm gonna <laughs> move along. But different spirits feel different ways. They feel different ways. And it's taken me a little bit of time to figure out how different spirits feel. And I figured out some of them, some of them I'm still, I'm still learning, right? Spirit of pornography, that one has a distinct feel. You can feel that one. Spirit of oppression, distinct feel. But I am still learning. Different um, people, organizations, places, you know, you might pick up spiritual um, influence on, on lots of different things. So that's just kind of build up to the story because that plays into what God is trying to, to show me. So a couple of months ago, it was, you know, last summer, I took a girls weekend with one of my, like, bestest, trustiest friends, and we had this moment where we were sitting there, we were drinking our morning coffee, and she asked me, hey, you know, what are your thoughts on this particular Christian organization? And I started to tell her, man, I want to like that organization. I want you so badly. I am trying so hard to like that organization. But I just get this feeling. It's like this deep feeling in my gut. It's like, it's like an aversion, a disgust. There's, it's so deep. It's almost not natural. It feels spiritual. You know, when things like slow down and everything, you're like, and suddenly I'm like, spiritual, it's spiritual. It's, it's spiritual. And then in that moment, God started showing me various people, places, and times in my life when I had had the exact same thing, the exact same feeling over like the last two years. And I was sitting there like, oh my gosh, he's been trying to show this to me for years. And I've been pretty slow on the uptake. But I felt kind of strange because every location, person, organization that he showed me were Christian. Were things that most Christians would call righteous. That I would say they're doing the work of the kingdom. And that that felt so icky to me. How strange that I would feel this intense feeling about something Christian. So I finally, when I got in my car, you guys who have heard me for a little bit know God, I really speak to God in my car. He speaks to me. It's, I don't know, I love it. I love commutes. I, finally, I got in my car and I said, God, what are you trying to show me? What is this spirit that feels so disgusting to me, so nasty? Like, it's like, I, I don't have language, you guys. It's like nauseating. And I heard audibly this time, clear as a bell, spirit of conformity. 
spirit of conformity. And I said out loud, and, thinking, well, that can't be it. Conformity, like that doesn't feel that bad, right? It's gotta be some six-headed demon that I've never heard of, drudged up from the ancient, you know. No, that was it, radio silence. So over the next few weeks, God really started revealing to me what he was talking about and what the spirit of conformity meant biblically and how that is playing out in the world around us. And I really believe that this is a prophetic word for the church right now in this season. I think this is important but I do want you to tune in to the Holy Spirit because he is to guide us into all truth. And he'll tell you, truth, word of God, bologna sandwich, all day long. And he will tell you what this means for you personally as well as what it might mean for the church. So I'm hoping that we get some some revelation and maybe some ideas um, start, you know, being generated over the next week or so. So Romans 12, 2, let's start there. It says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is the will of God, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Um, some translations like the NIV says, say, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. The Passion Translation, I always like how they, how they phrase things, says, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit. First of all, we are told not to be conformed to the patterns of this world. What does that even mean? That was my first question. What does, that, what does that even mean? The word here, if you look and you pull up the Greek, it's the word cosmos. Which is the Greek word for world. But as I've, as I've taught on before, Greek is a reductionist language, right? We might have 15 English words for one Greek word. So sometimes you actually need to do a little bit of digging to figure out what that one Greek word meant because it has several meanings and you need to look at context and you need to look at, you know, what comes before it and after it and you need to listen to the Holy Spirit and say, what does this even mean? In more than 30 passages in the Bible, the word cosmos is used to talk about men who are hostile to God, talk about um, the systems of man, the logic of man, organized governments under Satan. Does that make sense? Like man-made logic? Just like Paul warns in Corinthians, beware of the wisdom of this world, cosmos, and the spirit of this world, cosmos. 
I believe this is talking about man-made systems and human logic. 1 John 2.15 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Now, we know God tells us to love the world, right? (laughs) He tells us to love people, love our neighbor. Christians are known by their love. And then here, we're set, love not the world. So that has to mean something different, right? That has to have multiple meanings. So again, cosmos is man-made, fleshly origin, logic, systems, order, rules. Not God-made systems, order, and rules. Why is it so important that we not conform to the patterns of this world cosmos? 1 John 5, 19 to 21 says, we know that we are God's children and that the whole world, cosmos, man-made, fleshly, you with me, lies under the misery and influence of the evil one. That's interesting. Ephesians 1, 22 to 23 Now we're talking about Jesus. Jesus is the leader and the source of everything needed in the church. God has put everything beneath the authority of Jesus Christ and has given him the highest rank above all others. And now we, his church, his body on earth, and that which fills him who is being filled by it. Okay, so God rules heaven. Jesus rules people, his body, the church, But it looks to me like Satan has authority over man-made systems and logic and fleshly order and rules. So if it comes from man instead of God, Satan has rights. He has rights there. When Samuel was getting old, And the people wanted a king. And Samuel's like, you don't want a king? You guys don't want a king? You don't want man-made government? What did God say? 1 Samuel 8, 7. It is not you they rejected, but me as their king. That's interesting. So where man-made systems and theologies preside over God-made systems and theologies, Satan has some influence there. So why shouldn't we conform to this world? Because Satan has rights there. God doesn't want him involved in any area of our life. Do not conform to that. Don't give him a foothold, an open door. You know, the Bible gives us lots of direction on how to do family, business, church, community, life. Who do you want influencing your family, business, church, community, life? I think the answer's pretty clear, right? That was pretty hypothetical. But interestingly, the patterns of this world, man-made systems, theologies, rules, do show up in Christian people, churches, organizations, kind of a lot as I'm coming 
to discover. Now, I want to give you a few examples. These are not the only examples. They're the ones that, like, are really burning my soul right now, but um, these are not the only examples. <clears throat> the first one that I want to talk about is gender role conditioning in Christian communities. It happens in Christian circles, schools, churches. From the time babies are born, we tell them, this is what a boy needs to do. They need to be tough. They need to lead. They need to go to, you know, we have the fight nights. We've got the, you know, all the things, right? And we tell girls, you're meek, you're mild, you're subservient. You're the helpmate. You get to have the babies. Be a mommy. Here's your baby doll, right? We do this. Now, don't get it twisted. I am not talking about this weird androgynous thing that's happening right now in our world, right? Every road has a ditch on either side. Both are demonic, usually. Okay, this weird, there is no thing, such thing as gender. That's not cool either. But I'm talking about like the boxes we put around people from the time they're itty bitty bitty actually prevents them from fulfilling their purpose. And the thing that I think is so troubling to me about this particular issue is that it's so prevalent in Christian evangelical communities that outsiders see it as synonymous with the church. Oh, you're a Christian. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, you can, like, it's crazy how much people outside of the church see that particular relationship as synonymous with Christianity. But what does the Bible say? They will be known by their meek women? No, they'll be known by their love. Break my heart for what break yours as long as it doesn't make me look like a weak man? No, that's not biblical. Not at all. When we condition our kids to align with the standards of man instead of the standards of God, we are making it harder for them to become who they are meant to be, to fulfill God's purposes in their lives. When we tell them what they're supposed to look like, what they're supposed to act like, what their life plan is supposed to be, this step is here, now this step, now you're, you know, college, marriage, family, baby. Like, when we are conditioning people to follow our plan instead of God's plan, are we agents of God or Satan? I want you to think about a little girl who's probably been conditioned her whole life. You're meek, you're mild, you're beautiful. You've got to be cute. You've got to be beautiful. Find a husband. Start being fruitful and multiplying. This is your life. This is what she's been told. Being a wonderful, subservient helpmate. But God's purpose for her is to reach a matriarchal tribe in Africa and bring them the word of God. How is she going to make that leap? And actually fulfill her purpose. And we do this. We do this all the time in a million ways. In a million different topics. And then we wonder, huh, why is the church half dead? Why have people lost their saltiness? Why aren't people operating in their gifts and their talents and their purpose? Because we've built this imaginary box around them. 
We've boxed them in with man-made ideals instead of God-made ideals. And this box is, I'm claustrophobic. It's too small. Now, I feel this very, very strongly, very strongly in my spirit, that what is extra egregious to God is when people do that kind of thing, when they make man-made rules and theologies and agendas and create man-made boxes, but they manipulate the word of God to do it. Uh, Oh, yeah. So when we take something obscure, an obscure, um, let's just say, guidance to the Corinthian church, who was, they were in the throes of revival, Crazy things are happening. The Spirit of God is moving so much in this church. These people can hardly contain it, right? And it's a Greek community where they have Greek goddesses, they have temple prostitutes, and we pull out a sentence and we slap it on the church and we say, this is a rule for everybody. How does that apply? That is a man-made theology And we took the word of God and we put it there, used it out of context, and tried to call it godly? That's crazy. That's crazy to me. When we exalt anything above the will of God, I mean, that's that's sin. Colossians 2, 20 to 23 says, For you were included in the death of Christ and have died with him to the religious system and powers of the world. Don't retreat back to being bullied by the standards and opinions of religion. For example, there's strict requirements. You can't associate with that person. Don't eat this. Don't touch that. These are the doctrines of men and corrupt customs that are worthless to help you spiritually. For though they appear to possess the promise of wisdom in their submission to God through the deprivation of their physical bodies, it is nothing more than empty rules rooted in and religious rituals. That's the spirit of conformity. So let me ask you this. Where, where in your life have you seen this? In your life, in the church? Where have you seen man-made systems and hierarchies exalt themselves above God? God-made systems and hierarchies. As I continue, I want you to think about, like, where, where are we missing the mark? Where do changes need to happen, both, like, in our homes and our churches and our communities? Because I really feel like this is what God is saying to his body. Wake up. It's not about what you're calling religion, right? It's not about that. Psalm 115, 5 to 8 says, They idolize what they own, and what they make with their hands. But their things can't talk to them. They can't answer their prayers. Their possessions, 
will never satisfy. Their futile faith in dead idols and dead works can never bring life or meaning to their souls. Blind men can only create blind things. Those half dead to God can only make a deaf image. Dead men can only create dead idols. And everyone who trusts in these powerless dead things will be just like what they worship. Powerless and dead. Ah. Matthew 15, 2 to 3 and 6 to 9 says, What do your disciples, why do your disciples ignore the traditions of our elders? For example, they don't ceremonially wash their hands before they eat. Jesus said, why do you ignore the commandments of God because of your traditions? Friends and hypocrites, Isaiah described you perfectly when he said, these people honor me only with their words for their hearts are so very distant from me. They pretend to worship me, but their worship is nothing more than the empty traditions of men. Ah, are you getting the picture? Jesus did not like empty traditions of men. He despised futile faith in dead works. He said, do not go back to being bullied by religion, by the standards and opinions of religion. You guys, I refuse to be the one. I refuse to be on the wrong side of the will of God. I refuse to be the one blocking the will of God in my kids, in my family, in my church, in my community. We are taught to pray on earth as it is in heaven, not the other way around. You know, I watched this play out. I've been like acutely aware of this going on around me for months. And it's a few weeks ago, my, I had two, two of my nieces came to watch Leland's cross-country game. And these girls are cute as a button. You guys are just adorable. So cute. And I really had to resist the urge to be like, oh, you guys are so cute. Look at your trail. No, I... I I had to resist it because they are. They're adorable. But instead, I'm like, what, what would be actually helpful to their development, to their spiritual formation? And I, I have my one niece. You guys, she's a, she's a lot like me. I think this is why I can see it so clearly in her. She's, she is like a fierce competitor. She's got this feisty little spirit in her. And she's athletic and she's strong. And so instead of telling her how beautiful she was and how cute her dress and shoes were, and I, I told her about the fastest girl on the Jenison team. I said, we have this girl. She's so fast. She's so strong. She's such a competitor. You got to watch her. Paige, right? You got to watch Paige. She runs as fast as the boys. You're like that too, aren't you? She goes, well, I don't really like to run. I said, but when you play soccer and you beat somebody to the ball, you love that feeling, right? You know that feeling? Oh, yeah, I love that feeling. So, yeah. It's acknowledging what's unique about you and validating what's unique about you. 
It's okay to be a woman and have a fierce competitive spirit. That's okay, honey. Watch her. There's other people like you. It's okay. And I just, I just want to release that. I feel like things have been snuffed out by the spirit of conformity in all of us. And I want to break that off of individuals, off of the church, off of the community. So think about, like, where, where did you used to have that passion, that burning desire, that call that maybe is a little less bright today? And is it time to start stoking that fire again? You guys, I, I experienced like <clears throat> the cultural building of the box around you. That happens to me all the time as a pastor's wife. Everybody has opinions about what I'm supposed to do and look like and be and sound like and all the things. I've literally had another, I've had other pastor's wives tell me the biggest mistake you can make as a pastor's wife is thinking you're anointed too. <laughs> what? <laughs> Oh, man. No, no, no. You just sit there, you smile, you cross your legs, and you, you know, support. I said, if I'm not anointed, I don't belong in ministry. Like, it's hard up here. It's hard in ministry. If you don't feel a call, I mean, you better find it somewhere because you're going to burn out. It's hard. You guys, I, I hate the spirit of conformity. I hate it. Uh, Pastor Emily, I feel a little uncomfortable with you saying the word hate up there. Um, we're Christians. We just, we strongly dislike things, but we certainly don't, don't hate things. That's a violent word. <clears throat> Makes me uncomfortable. Proverbs 13.5 says, lovers of God hate what is phony and false, but the wicked are full of shame and behave shamefully. Romans 12.9 says that we are to abhor that which is evil. Amos 5.21 says God hates hypocrisy. So let me tell you, if God says you can hate that, not only you can hate that, but as a Christian, you should hate that, but the Christian community tells me I can't. Whose rule am I following, God's or man? Yeah. <laughs> we have built a man-made rule exalting itself above the word of God. And this is really deep in Christianity. Christians, my husband too, he's, I'm sure he's watching me. He'll love this. <laughs> Christians act like being angry and having a strong emotion is the mortal sin. What? They got mad? 
You guys, Jesus got mad. He flipped tables. He had righteous indignation, anger. The Bible says, be sin, be angry, but don't sin. Not that you can never feel anger. We teach our kids that strong emotions are evil, and then we wonder why everyone's lukewarm. The Bible says, be hot, be cold, but for the love, don't be lukewarm. Feel it. It's okay to feel things. That's biblical. And I really think that deeply, 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 that taught lesson that like, oh, that's an ugly feeling. You're not allowed to feel that way. That's not godly. Is probably what kept me from figuring out what that spirit was for two years. Because I kept thinking, oh, I can't dislike that. That's a Christian thing. I can't dislike that. You know what I mean? We got to push that down. And it, it blunts our senses. It gets us second-guessing what God is trying to communicate to us. All right, I'm going to skip this part. You guys, there might end up being a part two to this. Got a lot of notes. <laughs> I think many times uh, man-made systems are born from tradition. And we feel comfortable with tradition. It's comfortable. Why don't we have female pastors? Well, we never have before. Why rock the boat? Why do we sing those songs? Well, we're comfortable with them. We like it. Why do we make kids wear pants on 90 degree days? That's a specific one. I was seeing if Benji was going to smile at me. <clears throat> Why? Oh, that was considered more holy to wear pants. That's a man-made rule, man-made tradition. Mark 7, 7 says, Their worship is nothing more than a charade, for they continue to insist that their man-made traditions are equal to the instructions of God. What does the spirit of conformity look like? It looks like choosing to do what people expect you to do, even though you know that doesn't line up with scripture. It looks like putting the expectations of people above the obligations of your anointing. It looks like complacency to oppression And when you see the word of God being used to oppress people, that should bother you so deeply that you want to scream. It looks like keeping up appearances instead of being on fire for God, trying to keep things neat and orderly. It looks like training our little girls to color inside the lines. Be quiet, sit pretty. It looks like allowing the bottom line to influence our decisions more than the Holy Spirit. It looks like toning down a message not to ruffle feathers. It looks like putting a man-made box around people and around the Holy Spirit and it's getting claustrophobic in there. Romans 8, 4 to 9 
says, so now every righteous requirement of the law can be fulfilled, the anointed one living his life in us, and we are free to live, not according to our flesh or man-made traditions or religious traditions, but by the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. Those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits themselves. But those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit are motivated to pursue spiritual realities for the sense and reason of the flesh is death. But the mind controlled by the Spirit finds life and peace. I could use some peace these days. In fact, the mindset focused on the flesh fights God's plan and refuses to submit to his direction because it cannot. For no matter how hard they try, God finds no pleasure with those who are controlled by the flesh. But when the Spirit of Christ empowers your life, you are not dominated by the flesh, but by the Spirit. And if you are not joined to the spirit of the anointed one, you are not of him. I want to read one more verse and then I want to pray for everybody. Matthew 15, 13 to 14. Jesus replied, every plant that my heavenly father did not plant, is destined to be uprooted. That's good. Stay away from them, the things that God didn't plant. For they are nothing more than blind guides. Do you know what happens when a blind man pretends to guide another blind man? They both stumble into a ditch. You guys, I'd love it if you would, if you would just stand. I want to pray for everybody in here. If you would stand and just <clears throat> open your hands, be in a posture of prayer or, or receiving. Lord, we come before you today and we uproot every idea and every ideal that didn't come from you. Lord, I rebuke the spirit of conformity off of every person in this room in the name of Jesus Christ. I rebuke it off of our church, off of our community. I command you broken, null, and void. I snap the spine of you and cast you out of here. Get out of this place, get off of these people. Lord, I ask that you reveal throughout the week the lies that we have unintentionally believed and even errors that maybe we have perpetrated. Maybe there are, maybe there are ide ideals that we have put on other people that we need to verbally remove and tell them, I'm sorry, I'm sorry I made you feel this way. I'm sorry I put this on you. I cancel it. I rebuke it. 
God, I just ask that you reveal those lies that we've believed, sometimes since childhood. God, we declare as a church that your will be done in this church and in our lives in the name of Jesus Christ. We loose purpose, destiny, calling, revelation knowledge. God, I declare that every letter that is written in our book in heaven will come to pass in the name of Jesus. We loose that. Your word says, whatever we loose on heaven and on earth, we loose in heaven. Whatever we bind on earth, we bind in heaven. And God, we loose it. We call it forth. We declare purpose, calling, destiny. God, reveal to us our place, our purpose, where you want us to be. We ask, God, that your Holy Spirit would light that fire back inside of us, all of those passions that have laid dormant. God, we call it forth and we ask that you move mightily in us, that we would be a people on fire for you. Light it. I ignite old callings that have burned out in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you for it. We thank you for it. Amen. Amen. Thank you all.